Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Asher Agency, a full-service partner to clients nationwide. Asher's services include media planning, creative, digital, and social, website development, public relations, printing and fulfillment, and more. Anything you need to connect with your prospects and tell your story. To learn more, visit asheragency.com or contact us at hello at asheragency.com. My guests are Tom and Chris Blackburn. Tom and Chris, how are you doing? Doing good. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Tom, I understand that you know a few things about Asher, having been acquainted with Tom Borney in the past. And Tom is still around. Uh, he actually just did the podcast a couple of weeks ago talking about our upcoming 50th anniversary. So if you know any any uh, facts about Tom Borney that maybe aren't fit for him to share on the podcast, we'd love to hear those stories today. Oh, I met Tom uh, working at uh, Peter Eckridge and Sons making hot dogs during the summer when we were in college. He had the longest, straightest, prettiest hair. <laughs> That's what I remember most. And and also the biggest smile. Yeah. Nice well, guy. Well, he still has a smile. I don't know so much about the hair anymore. <laughs> but yeah. Well, that's actually a great lead into the first question I want to ask you. And that's about your career path. Um, it, it sounds like you grew up in Fort Wayne and you attended what's now Purdue University Fort Wayne, what used to be IPFW, correct? That is correct. Yeah. yeah. So how did you how did you find your way? into a business major as a college student. Did you know you wanted to go on to a career in law, or were you sort of open to suggestion as a college student? Well, I'm going to correct you on one thing. I grew up in Cherubusco. My Cherubusco. friends that okay. might be offended if I said Fort Wayne. <laughs> Turtle, Turtle Town, USA yeah, yeah. has we're, to have We're proud. Yeah. We're proud. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, actually, uh, I started out in college uh, as a finance major and marketing major, and my goal was to be a hospital administrator. Okay. I worked at IBM my last two, two years. Okay. And I worked in their office products, which was Selectric Typewriters, IBM Mag Cars. Yeah. I uh, worked for two guys who had the biggest accounts in town, Lincoln Life, mm -hmm. North American Van Lines, International Harvest, so all the banks, all the lawyers, so finance companies. I got, I got in every business in Fort Wayne. Yep. Uh, so it really— opened my eyes to what was out there. Okay. And the thing I liked about the hospitals, they were always clean and mm -hmm. quiet. I mm -hmm. thought this would be a great place to work. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, when <laughs> when I got to my junior year in college, I looked and it, there was there weren't big public health mm -hmm. master's degrees or hospital degrees yeah. uh, all over like there sure. are today. Sure. You can go to any public university and get one. Back then, the, the closest one, because they were so rare, was the University of Chicago. Mm -hmm. And it would have cost me more than my four years at IPFW <laughs> yeah, to go sure. there. I had some money saved because I worked and went to school, yep. but uh, I didn't have that much money saved. So my professor in finance said, Tom, why don't you consider law school? Because uh, he said, you know, it's only three years and you would, you'd do two years in school to get a master's in hospital administration. You'd have to serve an internship in mm -hmm. two years, yeah. which means it's cheap labor for them for yeah, two for more sure, years. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, and I had enough money saved uh, close that I could uh, pay for law school and go to law school. He just said I had a lot of options. You could work in corporate law. Uh, you could go into law practice. He says you can go into government. You're not limited like mm -hmm. hospital administration. So that's yeah. what opened my eyes. Okay. So you really had no thought of doing that until someone else suggested it. No. Oh, that's interesting. So, Chris, how about you? Obviously, your experience is probably a little different having a dad who, you know, built a career in the law. Was that something you— were ambitious to do early in your life, or did you have other ambitions and then change your path? Uh, I, I think, like you know, any son, they want to chase their father's footsteps. Yeah, for really, sure. My memories going back from really from what I can remember, 
wanting to do that. Yeah. Um, really up until high school, uh, including college, went through college. And my last year of college, I was getting my property and casualty license as well as the uh, Series 6 and 63. Okay. And at that point, I, 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 I think I took the LSAT mm -hmm. um, and really didn't have any aspirations okay. to continue going to school at that point. So yeah. kind of worked out in uh, the workforce, worked at some different places mm -hmm. here around town, uh, worked with uh, Mr. Michael Himes over Petroleum Traders and Inside Sales, mm -hmm. and really learned quite a bit there in terms of just 100% um, inside sales. Um, that wasn't for me. I, I like people, like sure. interacting with people. Um, so I started working in the kind of the investment sector uh, at National City and enjoyed that, but um, kind of looked at the future and, and thought to myself, I'm not sure I, I like where the future looks or, sure. or is going. Sure. And then kind of made the decision to, to apply to law school and go to law school at that point. Okay. All right. So how did you feel about that decision when your son said he was going to law school? Well, um, I was actually surprised. Yeah. You know, because he had uh, gone into, was doing some finance and was actually doing pretty well there. Um, and uh, I wasn't really... I never tried to push him because uh, the kids that I went to school with, that their fathers were lawyers that pushed them, they weren't They weren't there for the right reason. Yeah. And it, uh, a lot of them ended up doing something else. Sure. They weren't happy. Sure, they pushed them so hard, they pushed them in a yeah. different direction. And yeah. I wanted it to be his decision sure. if he wanted to. Sure, Yeah, sure. I would have supported him either way. Yeah, well, that's great. Yeah. So so let's talk a little bit of history because, you know, the beginning of your career, Tom, if I'm not mistaken, it's the early 70s. It's a very different time from, yep. a, from a business and marketing environment. What were things like as you were getting started in your career? What was the environment like in terms of how you got your name out there, how you acquired clients, and, and how you were getting the work done? And how has that changed over the years? Well, like most lawyers, uh, they don't go out and start their own firms. They usually go to work somewhere else mm -hmm. and learn the, learn the business yeah. of law and the trade of law mm -hmm. and the profession of law. And that's what I did. I started with John Whiteleather as a prosecutor in uh, civil practice okay. in Columbia City. Yep. That's my home county. Okay. Um, people think the 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 uh, county seat is Cherubusco, if you're in Cherubusco, <laughs> but it's actually Columbia City. Yeah. Uh, so I learned with him, and that was a very good experience. He mm -hmm. pretty much just threw me in the water and said, swim. Yeah. And that was the greatest experience in the world. He, yeah. he watched and he helped, and he was a very organized and very good lawyer mm -hmm. and uh, still is. Um, but I didn't want to be a general practitioner, so I ended up doing the opposite of what I did. I went to South Bend and joined a big firm. Okay. And I did insurance defense work okay. for State Farm, yep. Allstate, Hartford, Auto Owners, all the, a lot of the big companies. So I learned the opposite of what I do now. Okay. And was there for five years, made partner. People thought I had a breakdown <laughs> when I said I was going to leave yeah. my partnership and go do the opposite sure. and do plaintiff's work. Sure. But that's what I knew I wanted to do. Yeah. So that's what I did. Yeah. What attracted you to to go to the other side, the plaintiff side? Uh, I think the freedom of being able to do what's necessary on your case mm -hmm. um, to make it the best you can. Mm -hmm. uh, the insurance companies were getting more and more hands-on. Mm -hmm with their uh, lawyers that they would hire, yeah. um, not allowing depositions or making it difficult to get depositions done or other hiring experts. I actually experienced trying a case, a large case for a defense, uh, for, a, I won't say the name of the insurance company, 
where they wouldn't let me hire an expert. And I, uh, I thought they were crazy. Sure, but, you know, sure. I didn't like being told I couldn't do my best mm-hmm. in court. Yeah. You know, if you need an expert and they're out there, then you need to, you need to get them. Sure. You need to, you need to do that. So that was part of it. The other was just the freedom to have a relationship with clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, my relationship was on the phone with my insurance clients. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm not knocking insurance lawyers, believe me, that's not, that's not my purpose. Sure, sure. They do a very good job and they're mm-hmm. very professional. But for me, I wanted the, the one-on-one, the hands-on relationship with the client yep. and uh, instead of the, the corporate and just on a phone call. Sure. So in those early days, what are you doing to, to build the name, to get the word out, to attract clients? How, how are you doing that before the internet? Well, uh, there wasn't a lot of marketing by lawyers mm-hmm. until 1977. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bates decision, U.S. Uh, uh, versus Bates, the Bates versus uh, the Bar Association of Arizona uh, allowed, uh, found that a restriction in the bar committee rules against advertising mm-hmm. was a, a violation of the Constitution. Yeah. So lawyers could advertise so long as it was done in a professional manner. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first decision. I don't think anybody started advertising in Indiana, even with that ruling, until about 1984 sure. in Indianapolis. Yeah. Well, and marketing in, was seen as somewhat of a dirty word in law Oh, for in any profession. Yeah, any for profession, sure, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Now it's every profession yeah. you see advertised, uh, yeah. surgeons, dentists. Uh, sure. Yeah. But um, initially, our advertising started off with simply yellow pages. Mm-hmm. Um, and some TV, we couldn't mm-hmm. afford it. Yeah. Uh, initially, we, it was just, you know, it was one of those, how much? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure there's still days when that's the response. Yeah. 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 Is that a month? Yeah. Well, and, and there was a long time where you you owned the phone book. You know, yeah. you would see your face on the cover of the yeah. phone book. We, I assume that was intentional. Yeah, that was very intentional. We, uh, we were on the uh, back, uh, and then when they opened the front up, we went on the front of the phone book. And always tried to get the first page yeah. under lawyers, uh, yeah. just as a marketing sure. plan. Sure, and it it uh, it certainly helped us and worked. Sure, I, I call it the uh, original yeah. uh, search engine. <laughs> yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. And I'm old enough to remember it well. Yeah, yeah. So, so Chris, as you hear sort of the stories of your dad's early days in in the law firm world, what are some of the things that strike you? Things that are are maybe the same as they used to be, and things that have changed dramatically as as you grow your career in the same way that he did? Um, I, well, so two parts, right? I mean, things that have changed, uh, things that have stayed the same. I, obviously, the technology has changed yeah. tremendously over the years. Sure. Where, and, and it's continuing to change. Um, where when I came in, phone books were kind of at that, uh, they had peaked. Mm-hmm. Um, that marketing plan was something that probably needed to, to change. Mm-hmm. And... Not that you have disagreements, uh, maybe friend, friendly disagreements sure, with sure. your father, but it's kind of like, well, Dad, why do we advertise on the phone yeah. books? And because yeah. it's something that works. Yeah. But then yeah. you find out that uh, these phones come along and people are searching through things that way, and phone books are are kind of one of those sure. things that end up um, the people just weren't using them, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so you're starting a debate with not only your dad, not only someone who's built a, a successful business, but someone who debates for a living. Yeah, exactly. It is <laughs> yeah, tough. Yeah. But it was, it's more, I guess I challenge him in a lot of mm-hmm. different ways. He probably would disagree and say, well, it's not a, you're not challenging me. You're, 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 you're poking the bear a little bit. But the things that stay the same, I think, are 
the marketing presence. Mm -hmm. So he's a great marketer, mm -hmm. and it's about your visual acuity and, and having that presence out there. Yeah. Whether it's it was on the phone book, whether it's now on social media, the internet, billboards, TV. Yeah. It's you want to have that presence. That's yeah. definitely stayed the same. Well, and, and I think it's fair to say that there's not many people in Northeast Indiana who don't recognize your face and your name for that reason. Um, you know, the, the man with the bike is probably a phrase that follows you around pretty well. Is this all your idea, Tom? Is this something of your own conception or is it something that others have inspired you to do? Uh, no, it's been trial and error. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I've done the marketing at the firm to the point of even writing the commercials. Mm. For all these years, yeah, uh, and basically did it because I couldn't afford to hire an agency. Sure, you sure. know, back when we started, we didn't have a lot of money, and uh, uh, I I just couldn't afford it. I had yeah. to buy the time on the TV. Mm -hmm. I had to write the ads and yeah. find somebody to to film them. So it kind of started out like that, and went slow and just built from there. Yeah, 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 for sure. So so let's talk about you know, how you're marketing the firm today and and the Blackburn Romy entity. And Chris, I'll pitch this one to you. You know, that the the name Blackburn Romy is sort of a new name. You're you're rebranding. What are some of the challenges that have come with that? What are some of the things you've been able to build off? And how are you ultimately positioning the firm moving forward? Well, I don't know if I'm equipped to answer all those questions. Sure, I can certainly sure. deflect a little bit. I mean, <laughs> yeah. obviously, when you, you change a name, it, it's difficult. Yeah. Um, and it, 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 there's a lot of difficulty that goes with it. Sure. Chad was previous on, previously on here. Yes. And Chad, uh, he's my brother-in-law. Yeah. love him to death. He's very, very witty. Yeah. Seems uh, like a very creative guy. Very, very creative. Yeah. Um, but he's got a little little mug that says Blackburn and, and somebody, <laughs> and, and, and it's a, it's kind of you know he jokes about that. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but there there is some truth because yeah, sure, people are curious. Well, who is who is R Romy? But mm -hmm. they don't say Romy; they, they always say Romney. And I, I think I attribute that to the presidential. Sure, sure. Well, I get aspect. Giuliani a lot, so I understand <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah. And when you introduce yourself, as I was walking to the. The, the bathroom. I said, I said to myself, did he say Giuliani? I, I think he said Giuliani. <laughs> but yeah, so I feel that pain. Your, <laughs> your question as to the future, you know, I'm going to pass that okay. on to, to dad because I our roles are, are pretty vastly different yeah. in the firm. He is 100% marketing, mm -hmm. has been, uh, and controls that where I, I hear it bits and pieces. Sure. I really haven't been that interested in, in that capacity. Yeah. Uh, in my roles, that that's different. Sure, I think obviously Chad and I will have to get to a point where we're more involved in that capacity. But yeah. there's definitely time down the road where we can, we can do that for sure, for sure. So, so Tom, let me pitch that question to you, and, and I'll I'll reframe it a little bit. When people hear the name Blackburn Romy, what what do you want them to think? In other words, what what do you want that position to be in the mind of the audience you seek to serve? I want them to think of. Uh, Caring lawyers mm -hmm. uh, who are trusted mm -hmm. as your neighbor and your friend. Mm -hmm. um, you got to care. Mm -hmm. If you don't care, you need to do something else. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's if you're doing it just for the money, yeah, yeah then uh, you won't be happy. Sure, sure. Uh, you might make a lot of money. Yeah, uh, you might not. Mm -hmm. But people see through people. Yeah, 
you can't hide who you are. You sure. can't hide if you care um, or if you don't care. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think being honest, being straightforward, and telling people what you can do for them and what you can't do for them. People, you know, I always, I always joke, somebody says, you're a lot nicer than what I thought you were, would <laughs> yeah. be. And I go, well, nobody wants to hire a nice lawyer. <laughs> they yeah. want the meanest, toughest guy in the world, but you can keep that to yourself. Um, but I think that's it. You know, when I chose the slogan in rebranding, Trusted Injury Lawyers, I said, what do I want people to know about us? Mm -hmm. I want to know they can trust us more than anything else. Yeah. The second thing I want them to know is we care. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've, uh, I've flown up on a Sunday uh, to Wisconsin to see a couple that was injured in an accident. Mm -hmm. I've driven to New Albany, Indiana mm -hmm. to see a couple in mm -hmm. a hospital. Yeah. Um, I put 535,000 miles on an older car that I had. Yeah. Uh, the joke was that— uh, that I, that I was selling back to the companies because they were going to use it in, in their, <laughs> their their ads. Yeah, but yeah, I think uh, we we uh, handshake, kick the tires kind of guy. Uh, COVID changed everything though. People want to do everything over the phone, uh, and we'll do that and we'll mm -hmm. accommodate them. But in my heart, I miss being able to meet them up front and building a relationship. Yeah, you might not be able to answer this question, but what is it about, because I've, I've felt it, you know, really in a palpable way that, that I used to think early on in the pandemic, it was like, this is just as good being virtual. But what I realize now is it's not. There's something special about being in the same room. What, what does that mean to you when you have the opportunity? Because you're with people sometimes at, you know, really devastating moments. What is it about face-to-face -face that makes a difference in your profession? And why do you think it's better than some of the technology that sometimes gets in the way? I think they, uh, one, they see you and see that you care, mm -hmm. not just, you're mm -hmm. not just telling them yeah. that you care and what you're going to sure. do for them. It's not transactional. Mm -hmm. It's relational. Yeah. They know you'll be there for them mm -hmm. because you are there for them mm -hmm. from day one. Yeah. I've had clients say that they were shocked that we would come to the hospital or come to their home. Yeah. I've done I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of home visits, hospital visits. I probably we probably go to the hospital once a week, mm -hmm. once every two weeks mm -hmm. at least. Yeah. Um, it's not uncommon. It's just. It's what I want this firm to be known for. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the team that you work with. We've, we've mentioned Chad, and, and we can talk about Chad more or, or less if you want. <laughs> but um, tell me a little bit about the folks who help get the work done. What does your team look like? And, and Chris, you can handle this one or pitch it to your dad. What, who, who do you work with at the firm, and, and what are the different roles they play? Well, this one's probably better suited for me just in my capacity. I spend yep. a lot of time with the team, and, and that would— really be two parts. you got Fort Wayne and South Bend. Mm -hmm. So starting from the top, obviously, you, you have my dad, who's uh, really the, the, the founder. Mm -hmm. uh, he is yeah. I mean, he is the one that everyone looks up to, never misses a day of work. Yeah. And our staff love and respect him very much, and that means a lot to me. Oh, sure. You've got uh, lawyers underneath who work very hard. Um, you've got me, my brother-in-law, Chad, and in South Bend, you have uh, two different lawyers who, Ryan and uh, Ryan Lindinger and Frank Wolford, mm -hmm. and Ryan uh, and I kind of work together to manage the South Bend office, uh, with him being the presence there. And then we have David Singleton who does the research and writing, mm -hmm. and he is uh, fantastic at what he does. He um, writes so so well, so eloquently. Uh, he does what really the the others can't do. Mm -hmm. 
but then in the same vein, uh, David doesn't want to go try a case. Sure. So uh, the other's going to kind of step in. But without, uh, I mean, with that said, we are we're lawyers, but really without our clients and without our staff, mm-hmm. we cannot do our job. Yeah. Uh, we put a tremendous um, uh, amount of faith into our staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, at all levels, so yeah. you've got a, a pre-suit level at the at the beginning, and a post-suit with paralegals and, mm-hmm. and uh, litigation assistants. And our staff is really the uh, kind of the heartbeat of the firm. Yeah. Um, without them, uh, we we cannot do what we do. We yeah. handle a lot of cases, meet with a lot of folks, and really that just that's kind of the the, the essence there. So so how how if at all are you making sure you're hiring the right people, how are you making sure that what's unique about the business you've built is staying in front of them? In other words, what are you doing to make sure that the people you hire independently doing what you hope they would do and serving your clients and and their coworkers in the way you hope they would serve them? So trusted injury lawyers is is not only a great slogan, but I I think it kind of is – what I would say, kind of the beginning of the culture, mm-hmm. right? Culture is not, hey, they do a lot of nice things for me. They're, they let me off work early. Yeah. It's kind of what, what separates our firm compared to others. Mm-hmm. Um, we are extremely lucky in our four-wing market. We Most of our staff is tenured. We mm-hmm. have individuals have been with us 25 years. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. I could, uh, if you had all the time, I could go through and, and tell you the number of uh, employees who have been there for particular years. And most of them, over half, have been there uh, in excess of a decade. Our South Bend market's a a little bit different. We've experienced some some change in that market. Sure. And through the hiring process, I I think it's a a step-by-step process. COVID changed everything Mm -hmm. uh, in a lot of different ways. But I think you have to spend the time going through those resumes and, and not just really kind of looking at them, but um, you have to look at them and, and search for people who want to work, mm-hmm. people who maybe they don't have the right uh, on-paper skill set yeah. or background in education or even li- litigation, Yeah, but people who are willing to, to uh, learn things, yeah. they're go-getters. Yeah. And you have to <laughs> – you spend a lot of time going through resumes. You spend a lot of time doing interviews, second interviews. Yeah. Um, but through that process, I think you can, as long as you're a little more patient than what you need to be, which is hard because yeah. if you have open positions, it's and in our business doesn't stop. Yeah, it's hard. You're trying to fill a need, and it's it's hard to be patient when it know, is. Yeah, it's, it's extremely it's, difficult. It can be tempting to leap to the first warm body that walks in the door, but it sounds like you have a good process, and and I think it's critical, especially when you have a legacy that you're trying to uphold. Um, you know, it's it's analogous to one of the things we try to do here is we hire people who are natural educators and natural learners, people who are always going to invest the time to learn more and then teach others what they know. And it sounds like you take a similar approach. And I think there's something to be said for that. Oh, absolutely, especially right now in this climate, mm-hmm. um, primarily just because technology is so so huge. Yeah. And where lawyers have generally done things one particular way for a long time, create a lot of uh, paper, 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 paper. Now the industry, and I think really any any industry is trending towards paperless, yeah. more PDF. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, now you have 
PDF manipulation, electronic signatures. <laughs> we're looking for people who aren't afraid to learn new things, yeah. but also that are willing to take that step to really teach themselves, mm -hmm. you know, to get on to Google and say, how do I do this on yeah. Adobe? For sure, for sure. Um, and, and that can be difficult. Yeah, I, I can imagine. And I think discovery has probably gotten a lot harder in the modern age with all the communication that's out there. Yeah, a lot of it has, <laughs> even just uh, receiving documents yeah. through email. And I uh, was talking with Chad, really all of us at lunch today, where Chad's a detail guy. He loves detail. Yeah. And he was giving David a hard time about, <laughs> hey, remember when I told you to come up with a naming system for saving <laughs> documents? And David's like, no, I don't remember that. He's like, really? Because we've only talked about it a <laughs> you know, hundred times. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's great that he didn't, he didn't have the detail about the detail. Yeah. Well, um, Tom, as you listen to, to Chris talk and, and you think about the future, what, what do you want the, the next generation of Blackburn Romy to, to be? When, when you think about what's ahead, what, what, what do you want to reinforce and make sure continues on even one day if you decide to retire? What, what do you want to be tried and true? Uh, I want there to be a heart mm -hmm. uh, at the foundation, but the foundation has to lead to excellence in mm -hmm. service, mm -hmm. in relationships, mm -hmm. in results. Mm -hmm. um, if you can do that, then you will, you'll succeed. You'll stay at the top. But more importantly, you'll do a good job for your clients. Yeah. And if you do a good job for one client, they'll remember it. Mm -hmm. I had one guy that I've represented four times, the poor guy, because I tell him, I like seeing you, Dave, but, <laughs> but just stop in and yeah, see me. You know, we give free pins away, you know, the reception. <laughs> maybe under different circumstances. Just yeah. go get another accident. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I've represented some people three and four times. Yeah. Well, and I have to imagine, and you've alluded to this, it's a very fast-paced business. So if you're not service-oriented, yeah. you're not going to get the opportunity to serve people. Right. So um, let's talk a little bit because I, I think I think most people would recognize that whether it's reluctant or not, you're sort of a celebrity in Northeast Indiana, right? Your face is on billboards, you're on TV spots, you used to be on the phone book. How do you deal with that? Because Fort Wayne and especially Cherubusco are small towns anyway where everyone knows everyone and that's amplified by having a presence in the media. So is that something you enjoy and relish or are there days when you say, you know, I wish I was a little more anonymous? I always say you're not a celebrity if you have to pay your, <laughs> to be put on TV. That's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I uh, I roll with it. Uh, I initially, uh, when I first came to Fort Wayne, I wasn't one of the lawyers on TV in our mm -hmm. ads, mm -hmm. and I even paid for some of those ads. I didn't really need to be or want to be. Yeah. It's not something I sought. But when I wanted to do my own firm, I realized a necessity to do it. So, mm -hmm. um, it's it's something that had to be done. So yeah, yeah, I did it. Well, ultimately, you know, I think it, it gives you a personality that maybe makes it um, a, a little bit friendlier when people meet you because they think they may know you and, and it's, a, it's a known quantity. And I would, I would imagine that's helpful in building a relationship for sure. Yeah. They'll, uh, I'll be in a checkout lane in the grocery store <laughs> and the, the guy behind me will say, in the mid of winter, not coldest day of the year, did you ride your bike today? <laughs> and I'll yeah. say, yes, I did. <laughs> Well, don't get hurt by any means. So let's pivot to a few quick hit questions. And Chris, I'm going to throw the first one to you. What have you learned 
it can be, you know, through the folks you've worked with or, or independently about building a successful, f- fulfilling career. If you had to give someone advice, maybe, a, a, you know, someone who was just starting their career at the firm, what would you say is the most important thing for people to remember if they want to have a successful, fulfilling career? Well, I, I mean, fulfilling, I, I, and I, I think at that point you have to do something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you have challenges or not, whether yeah. you have good days and in, in, or bad, yeah. Um, the practice of law is, is it is tough. Mm-hmm. It is not easy. There's so much to it, um, more than I would have ever imagined. Mm-hmm. And my dad's a great role model in in the sense that he is by far the most patient individual I know. Not only with me, but with with clients. And sometimes we have clients who just just disagree with us. Mm-hmm. And can be, you know, kind of combative. Yeah. But he strives to just be patient um, and let them say their piece, but then also tell them what they need to do. And sure. that's part of our job is communicating the the advice. They don't always want to um, hear what we have to say sure. or like what we have to say. Sure. But um, that's that's part of the job. And I, I think if you're if you're not in a position where you're you're chasing money, because I. There's there's plenty of opportunities out there to, to make money in any capacity, but it, it may not be fulfilling. I think you have to really enjoy what you what you do. I enjoy working with the staff. I, I enjoy um, talking with the staff, communicating with the staff. Um, there's a lot of um, ups and downs there too, yeah, for sure. Uh, especially when you you have the number of staff that mm-hmm. that we've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also uh, like litigating. Um, I really enjoy trying cases. Sometimes that's not the best thing for your client. Um, if I if I could have my way, uh, I would just try cases. Yeah. It's it's a lot of fun. You mm-hmm. litigate and you go into it, but that's not always what's best for the client. Sure. And so getting back to that trusted uh, part of it, um, if as long as you're putting your client first uh, and giving them the good advice um, and, and that that's that means more to to them and and to us, frankly, than trying cases and and trying to get big verdicts or not getting big verdicts. Sure, sure. Well, I, something that really resonated that you mentioned was how you know you love what you do, but not every day is easy, and most days are difficult. I think some of the worst advice we give young people is when they say find find a job you love, and you'll never work a day in your life, which is completely wrong, right? (laughs) So, you know, maybe here today we could start changing that message and say, find a job that challenges you and comes with the right types of of challenge, and then you'll find something that you like. You just, if you, if you like something, then you need to put yourself in a position where you will work hard. Yeah. And that's the other redeeming quality about my father. No one works harder than my dad, even to this day. Uh, basically comes into work six, seven days a week. If he's there on a Sunday, sometimes he's just stocking, stocking things up. And uh, defense lawyers know that too. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he, I kind of joke with him sometimes. He's very ro- robotic. He can go home, unwind, unplug, plug himself in, come back to work, and he's he's good at it. Mm-hmm. Where I sometimes struggle with yeah. uh, the day day you know the day in day out aspect sure. of it. Sure. Well, I, I would think you'd almost out of necessity have to compartmentalize somewhat because you're dealing with such potentially stressful work and so much is at stake for your clients where you almost have to give yourself a break and recharge for the next day. Yeah, I think we're, we're, we're different in that capacity. I mean, I, 
love the outdoors. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely have things that can distract me yeah. uh, where I can kind of unwind. Yeah. Um, and I think really with him, it's just IU basketball, maybe some football <laughs> games. but <laughs> Yeah. Well, football, depending on the weekend, might, might add to your stress. <laughs> it may not take it away. Yeah, this year wasn't very good. <laughs> so, so, Tom, what about you? If you had to give someone you know, career advice, your best career advice, what would that sound like? Decide what you want to do in life because that's the only thing you want to do. Mm -hmm. And do, be, try to be the best at it. Mm -hmm. And be the best you can. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about if somebody's better. Yeah. That's not what's important. What's important is that you're doing what you want to do. You want to make a difference in life for people uh, that makes a difference for them and for you. Yeah. Because you feed off of it too. Yeah, for be sure. Because uh, it's in, you know, some people live to work. That might be me. Mm -hmm. Some people work to live. Yeah. I think my advice would be find a balance. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If for I sure. could do life over, that's the thing I would try to do a little better. I always put my family uh, on top. Mm -hmm. I never did that, but I did work hard and yep. long. My uh, my daughter went to uh, Furman University down mm -hmm. in Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah. As as we were got her in her uh, dorm and got her all set up, we were walking away, and she was saying goodbye, and we were walking, and my wife was starting to cry. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, don't look back. Mm -hmm. Don't look back. Yeah. We said goodbye. Yeah. So my daughter says, she yells at me, puts her hands up. She goes, Dad, Dad. I go, so, I, so we turned around. I go, Carly, what is it? She goes, don't worry, Dad. I'm not going to marry a lawyer <laughs> because you work too hard. <laughs> and look, look where that got you. <laughs> she sealed her fate. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it reminds me, one of the things you said you know, I, about 30 pounds ago, I was a marathoner, and I used uh -huh. to have to remind myself, run your own race. Don't worry about the guy, you know, next to you or behind you or in yeah. front of you. Just run your own race. And that can be really hard to do in the moment. But I think it's great advice to just say, you know, focus on yourself, focus on what you can control. You can have a pretty fulfilling career. Yeah. All right. So let's pivot to the second quick hit question. And that has to do with myths and misconceptions mm -hmm. about the work you do. This one probably is rife for a lot of potential answers in the world of personal injury. What's something that you you wish you could change the perception about either amplify something that maybe is underappreciated or change a perception that's that's wrong or or not fully correct. You're talking broadly, not necessarily within our practice or us specifically. You take it wherever you want to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been a lawyer for 13 years. Yeah, and I've only worked with my dad. That's uh -huh. it. Yeah, I haven't worked any anywhere. Yeah, anywhere else, and. Through and we're here in an Asher agency, marketing things of that nature. Um, I've always thought people knew Blackburn, Romy, the old firm. All we did was handle people who were injured in accidents. Yeah, but I found it doesn't matter whether you're first year lawyer, or thirteen. Yeah. People come to you with all kinds of questions, yeah. law related. Uh -huh. Hey, do you do this? Do yeah. you do that? Yeah. Can you help me with this? But I've I've always been kind of shocked when people say, "Do you do this type of law?" And, and I'm yeah. thinking, well, surely as much as we advertise, you would know that we only yeah, represent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well, that's kind of a, 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 a I guess a, a small misconception that um, I, I just thought that's. Yeah, that's what it was. That, that's interesting that people will bring, you know, all kinds of challenges to you. Um, you know, it reminds me, Chris, of a, a time we did some research for a client 
we asked the the people in, in the study, what was the number one way they heard about the client? And the thing that came up on top was radio advertising. The client had spent zero dollars on radio advertising. So sometimes the general public will surprise you in, in their perceptions. Much like the jurors. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, Tom, what about you? What's a myth or misconception about the work you do? It could be your firm. It could be, you know, the law firms in general that, that you wish were different. Well, I... The, People seem to think that all lawyers are rich uh-huh. and they make a lot of money, and that's not true. Yeah, uh, There are a lot of lawyers that don't make very good money, mm-hmm. and uh, starting out is really tough. Yeah. My wife worked as a nurse uh, at a local hospital here, and the first three years I practiced law, she made more than I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I worked a lot of lot, lot longer hours, yeah. I can tell you. Yeah. Um, y- you can't do it because you want to make a lot of money. Yeah. Yes, there are some people that can eventually make a lot of money. Sure. But to get to that point, you've got to put in your time. You've got to build. Um, it's not there just because you got a law license. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, uh, the thing, it doesn't really bother me, but the whole ambulance chasing idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people say, oh, you're an ambulance chaser. I, go, I always say, no, I, really, I'm not. I like to get there before the ambulance. If you're gonna, it's okay to laugh at that, right? It is. <laughs> okay, yeah, that, good. <laughs> that's the best lawyer joke I know. No, uh, you know, most I, I think all lawyers really, they at a heart, they care. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're doing corporate work, yeah. and building that relationship and helping somebody. Because I have business lawyers for the business. Yeah. I have, you know, patent and trademark lawyers sure. for our slogans and our name and yep. all that. And they're all the same. They're, they're most lawyers are just good guys and good girls. Mm-hmm. You know. And that's that's what's changed in the practice. When I went to law school, there weren't very many yeah, women that went. Sure. Now it's I think the law school classes are over fifty percent women. Yeah, yeah, female. for sure. Yeah, for sure. Which is a good thing. Yeah, it gives our profession a better perspective on everything. Oh, sure, sure. To have that. Well, and it 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 gives you um, a different roster of folks who might be able to empathize with a client in a different way because yeah. maybe they have a similar experience. So. I think that's helpful. And, and, you know, your point kind of speaks to to Chris's point about the fact that people hear lawyer and they think you practice all kinds of law and you're all the same. Well, as it turns out, not all lawyers are exactly built alike. (laughs) I guess, I mean, it's kind of synonymous with um, maybe a surgeon who specializes in knees or hips. But you you just think, oh, you're a doctor and you you can do surgery on anything. Yeah. Uh, Some people, oh, you're a lawyer. You must know this. You must know that. Yeah. Well, Maybe we can look at that, or I can I can kind of steer <laughs> yeah. in the right direction. But really, we just know one thing. And sure, I, I think once you know one thing, you 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 know it, and you get pretty good at it. Well, and you probably wouldn't want to be represented by a lawyer who claims to know everything about all different kinds of law. That that might not lead to a lot of depth. All right. Well, let's pivot to the last question I have for you, and that has to do with how you actually do your work. And I always ask our guests, you know, what's a, a, a tip, a trick, a tool, a hack, whatever you want to call it, that maybe, you know, really helps you, that helps you get the work done. Um, and it can be analog, it can be digital, it doesn't matter. What's one thing that that helps you do your work that you think is worth a mention? Uh, I guess for me specifically, um, we have transitioned into a, a case management software. Okay. It has been a monumental hurdle for really everyone to, to get over. Okay. Uh, early is that on, because of the people being enmeshed in the old way of doing it? Or yeah. is it the complexity of the software? It, it, I don't think it's a software. I don't think it's real complex. Um, 
But when you're used to doing something yeah. a particular way, um, and then you kind of just change things yeah. up, it, it gets it gets a little different. Yeah. Like it, let, let's say GM, they have their mm-hmm. line change every you yeah. know every year, and they're down for two weeks. And yeah. I'm sure there's a point where there's there, there's some struggles because sure. of that. Yeah. But our staff is resilient, yeah. and they have um, they've been loyal to us. Mm-hmm. And what where some of them is. They didn't agree with it, uh, but they but they're loyal, and so they they've learned it. Yeah. In particular, with me, um, I can manage the cases, mm-hmm. uh, case load uh, on the go. I can do it from my phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could literally practice out of the car. Sure. Um, sure. And that's been good. Yeah. But going back to you know what Dad was talking about regarding meeting with people in face to face, it's really changed since. COVID and it and it's kind of kind of sad because it's not just your clients it's the courtroom yeah. atmosphere sure uh, you you are not going to the the judges chambers anymore to have some hearings or mm-hmm. so, some things of that nature so it, it, that I miss yeah for sure but the uh, I guess the tech aspect it, it allows you to do a lot of different things yeah and and it's it's kind of fun but it's also kind of sad just from the standpoint that. I really enjoy. I'm very much like him. I I very much enjoy meeting people, yeah. being with people face to face. I found if I'm having um, a conversation with my client about something uh, in regard to their case, uh, nine times, ten times out of ten, if I have that conversation in person where I can show them some things and and you have that human interaction, they're going to understand it. Yeah. Where probably fifty percent of the time over the phone. That they just don't understand, even though they may have the same documentation in front. Yeah, them. yeah. Well, sometimes it's an attention problem because it's so easy to multitask, even if you don't know you're doing it when you're on the phone or when you're on a video conference. Mm-hmm. I know I'm guilty of. My coworkers would definitely validate that I'm guilty of it from time to time. But in a setting like this, there's much more accountability to pay attention and really focus on the matter at hand. I'm sorry. What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was almost as good as your dad's joke. <laughs> you know, and and another thing that that I want to pull out from that is, you know, when you talk about um, the the difficulty in, in making big changes, like putting some software in place, I, I think what we're talking about is habit change. I don't think, you know, and, and maybe I'm saying this because I've gotten a little older, but I don't think there's anything about getting older that makes you less capable of using technology. Absolutely not. Other than the muscle memory of having so many years of doing it the old way. We switched to a project management software, software a few years ago, and I kept forgetting to put things in there just because I had at the time, you know, 16 or 17 years of doing it one way. So, you know, kudos to you for for helping your folks make that transition because it's not always easy. Definitely not. And you mean with what I respect with with what you say because you're used to doing one thing a particular way and you're, oh, I forgot to put that in there. Yeah. And and that's really where we're kind of at and we've surpassed that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 old way of doing way the practicing and kind of the new way they're very synonymous they just look different yeah but the once you get past the challenges and I I've kind of I think we're at a point where we have the foundation built with the software now where now the next step into the next year is starting to man, manipulate and tweak some things mm-hmm. with the data input so that we can now use that data to help us make some decisions. Yeah. Well, and I think it's part of it is helping people understand the benefit of it, right? If you tell me to make a change just to make a change, 
I'm not going to be motivated to do it. But one of the things that eventually got me on board was, number one, my coworkers reminding me, like, hey, there's a better way of doing this. And they had to do that several times. But also demonstrating to me the value of this is fewer emails. It's better because it exists in one place instead of scattered all over the place. Took me a while to get there, but it sounds like, you know, just like your team members, eventually I was coachable on it. So, Tom, how about you? What's something that is important to you in in getting your work done in in what is a very fast-paced, very busy um, industry that you're in? Well, it's organization. Mm. Um, it's organization in your mind mm. first, mm-hmm. computer second. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't do it the other way around. Mm. It's still got to be in my mind. Okay. So are there any specific things you do to, to keep information organized, to, to keep – Everything you need to remember um, in the right place at the right time. I try to put a face with every name. Okay. You okay. know, that's, yeah. that's the thing that helps me the most. Yeah. Okay. I don't all remember right. them all the time, but yeah. it helps a lot. Yeah. yeah. We've got a young lawyer in South Bend, uh, Frank, that will, he'll remember clients from years ago. He worked, started off as a paralegal, worked for me for five years, and he would just prep a case and I'd go try it. And I told him, I said, Frank, why don't you become a lawyer? You're, you're really good at this and yeah. you're personable. And he had a, like a 3.5 or 6 yeah. at IU. Yeah. And he went to Chicago for one year of a law graduate course. He says, well, I don't want to be in the courtroom. He says, I, I'm, I like doing the background work. Yeah. So I, I did the good thing with a good heart and walked into his office and said, Frank, I, I'm, I'm here to tell you I have to let you go. <laughs> and he said, what? Why? <laughs> We're a good team. I said, Frank, if you don't go to law school, I'm going to fire you. You're too good to be my backup. Yeah. You know? And uh, he went part-time. He's married. Uh, has two kids. Part-time. Um, graduated. And yeah. he's been, what, a lawyer now? Seven or eight years, maybe? Yeah. Something like that. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little bit more. And it's great. He's yeah. had great trial results. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah, he's a he is, he's really... For a lawyer, he's got the greatest sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like one of your tips then, one of your hacks is to threaten to fire people <laughs> to point them no, in the right direction. <laughs> he knew I would never fire yeah, him. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, no, that's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've had loyalty with uh, lawyers and staff. Like Chris said, I've my bookkeeper's retiring after 26 years, but she's still going to work part-time. Yeah. Uh, my assistant, legal, one of my legal assistants has been with me 24 years, uh, 23, 18, 20 We've had a lot of people that have just stayed with us. Yeah. And it builds good working relationships. You know what they're going to oh, do, sure. how they're going to handle problems. Sure. So it makes your job a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, we anticipate what the others need, and we just help them do it. Sure. So when you get to that stage with your staff, it's very rewarding. Yeah, well, and it speaks to that whole idea of trust. Um, yeah. You know, if you want to convey trust um, with your clients, that has to start internally, and you have yeah. to have that team that trust each other. Um, because if you don't have that, as you mentioned earlier, people are probably going to see through that and see it for what it really is. So that's great that you've been able to build that, even if you had to strong-arm some folks yeah. into, into some things. But the, the best thing about the practice for me today, and I'll ask Chris to put his hands over his ears at this point, <laughs> is the young lawyers. Yeah. Now, I say young, but they're not really young. To me, they're young. Mm-hmm. They're not my generation. Yeah. But like uh, Ryan's been there seven with me 17 years. Yep. Chad, 16. Chris, yeah. 13. Uh, Frank has been with me as probably as a paralegal and a lawyer, you know, 15 years or yeah. something. Um, David, our youngest lawyer, is my second uh, great thing. He is the best writer I've ever run into. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I think he's made himself a better writer because I forced him to not just be a writer. At yeah. first, I said, you got to handle cases. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he liked that because he's not a— he's not a— that kind of a personality, sure, sure. <clears throat> you know, combative. Be able. I mm-hmm. mean, he's just. Um, but I had him do it, and now we've sized him down in that, so he just handles maybe fifteen. Yeah. But he was he got taught how to write for judges. Mm-hmm. So many lawyers that are good writers that think they're good writers, they write like they're writing for a, a law school mm-hmm. brief mm-hmm. instead of to a judge. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've taught him to concede where we can't win and be honest. The judges will appreciate that yeah. instead of listen to an argument that is, doesn't have well, a Well, you're building a long-term relationship there yeah. as well. The and you want to be know, trustworthy in yeah. their eyes. Yeah, He he, he concedes if he can't uh, win a legal point on that. But he also, the judges know that when he says, this is what this is what the law is and this and this is why we win, we win. Yeah. And uh, I think that's, that's the two things. The young lawyers that have the experience that I can count on, um, and you know, they're just taking over this firm and they're doing a great job. Well, it sounds like you've you've done a great job of seeing potential in others, maybe even before they saw it themselves, and and helping them realize that. So, so that's a great thing, and and really, I think a great definition of mentorship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the older I get, the older young gets. So I feel you on that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you both for doing this. I appreciate it. I know you're both busy. Thanks for taking the time to be with us today. And thanks to everyone who took the opportunity to listen to this episode of the Asher Marketing Podcast. We'll be back next time with another great guest and we hope you'll join us then. <laughs>